0: The jersey, more, more I, build more houses the, down to the carriage of and your and emotions to how life, your team life. is doing, great, and then they crush the you like you they did. You. played Stanford so, a couple weeks ago. Uh, and so I, I was not here last day, week, but, but I had been a chance ruined a couple of on, times online because when my, when my Trojans back, didn't we, show we up. We spoke about worship last week. Everybody worships. In one capacity or another, it's one of those even if things where we talk God, about God, worshiping worship. God. Worship is I mean, one of those get things gets into relegated to of kind of religious things. Right? They prefer to be called the Israelites, everybody whatever. else is kind of going you know, on with but, their but the life. fact of the matter is, but in reality, when you, you wait in it, line and you've, you've been, been studying for months, months ahead of time to go, what do you think it's going to look like? How much bigger is it going to be? How much bigger is the screen going to be? I can't wait to give them $700 for something It's almost exactly like what I already have. And that that you music know? that we played—that was it's like, are you kidding me Club, but Everybody otherwise worships. it was going to be Jimmy. Bucket's because when you think about it, Mexico, worship my wife really what worship goes, means no. is to ascribe. Sorry. worth. but but think about this for a second. Go you, to a concert. You, to you know it, all the songs. You bought all the and CDs. And therefore you've you shelled out a bunch of money it, to get in there life so you could raise it. your hand. You're happy to sacrifice all of the words with thousands of other people who know every single word. too, any concert you go to, it's energy. Or think about talents? people who, who worship a team. Happy to give it to them because, you know, this good teams like USC and, value to you. And, and the Lakers, bad teams like, <laughs> like Notre Dame. I mean, what's the point? What's the point of the... Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22 because there's something powerful about the first time something is mentioned in Scripture. There's actually a, a law of interpretation Biblical interpretation that says the first time that something is mentioned, be it a word, a theme, an image, the first time that it's mentioned in Scripture, it begins to become normative for the rest of the times that you read about that word or that image or that theme throughout Scripture. Uh, there's a, can we throw the slide up of the quote here by F.E. Bruce? There we go. So this, this is a, a guy who wrote this. No, go to the next one, actually. Go to the next one. There you go. F.E. Marsh, in his book, The Structural Principles of the Bible said this. The first time that a word occurs in the scriptures gives the key to understanding that word's meaning in every other place. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's all it can mean, but it begins to inform how we understand that word. So when we're looking at a word like worship, we could start in Revelation and go, oh, this is what it worship worships." But the best place to start, perhaps, is back at the beginning, the first time that it's mentioned in Scripture. And Genesis chapter 22 is the first place that worship is mentioned in the Bible. So let's take a look at that. little backstory. There's a guy named Abram, whose name will later be changed to Abraham. And God says, Abraham, I am going to call you out from your father's land, and I'm going to bring you out, and I am going to choose you to be the father of a nation that will bear my name, that will represent me to the rest of the world. You are going to be the father of a great nation. And Abraham goes, that's fabulous, but I don't have any kids. And I'm like 90 years old at this point. My wife's 80. So a little problem there. And God goes, I'll take care of it. Fast forward, 10 years go by, and God finally gives Abraham that son that he promised, a kid named Isaac. His wife is 90, he's 100. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. And out of Isaac, God promised, I'm going to make you a great nation. Well, let's pick up the story here in chapter 22 of Genesis. Verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Wouldn't you love to have conversations with God like that? Some, sometimes, like I'll have journaling conversations with God that kind of run a little bit like that, where I'm just kind of, I, I kind of write a question and then God will respond and I'll write down what I sense in place. But I would love to have a verbal conversation with God. What? What do you need? You know, goes on. Here I am, he said. Then God said to him, take your son, your only son. We could maybe say that your only begotten son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Maybe I don't want conversations like that with God, right? Because if I'm like Abraham, I'm, at this point I'm going, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense at all. First off, that is not how I know you to be. Secondly, this is the kid that you promised to bring a great nation out of. Why would you put me through all of this and get all my hopes up and give us a child that we could raise only to take him away? This doesn't make any sense. And I would push back knowing myself. But check out how Abraham responds. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, he saddled his donkey, and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when they had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out to the place that God had told him about. Now, this isn't just down the street. It takes him several days to get there. Verse 4. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servant, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then then we will come back to you the first reference to worship in all of scripture he's taking his son up to a mountain to see him. now last time i checked it didn't say anything about abraham bringing a tambourine didn't say anything about him having a group of minstrels that were kind of following along or that there was going to be you know some worship band that was meeting up there so music really doesn't have a whole lot to do with it so what is his worship what does he mean when he says the boy and i are going to go worship and then we'll come back let's keep reading And I want you to ask that question as we read this. Be considering that question, because in a moment I'm going to ask you that question, and I want some of you to actually be able to respond. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So Isaac is old enough at this point to be able to carry the wood, probably stronger than his father. Some theologians think that Isaac was in his teens, so you know that Isaac, That's okay, because I got another one right here. Thank you, Mike Jones. Hello. All right, we're back. So Abraham, his son Isaac, who some theologians think is, was plenty old enough to be able to fight back if he chose to, go up the mountain. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham... Hey, dad, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood we have, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering, right? (laughs) What's going on here? You're, You're coming to offer. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. Then he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Again, if you understand that Isaac is old enough to be able to fight back, he has some clue when his dad starts tying his hands and his feet together. He has a part to play in this. He too is submitting to this. Then he reached out his hand. This is Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, his only son, the child that is a parent. I get the gravity of this. This was no small thing. He doesn't know the end of the story at this point. He is obediently taking the knife and is about to kill the most valuable thing that he has in this world. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! Here I am, he replied. Don't lay a hand on the boy, Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, that you reverently respect him so much that you're willing to submit to him. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son, your only begotten son. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide and to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. All right. Interactive time. There was no mention of music. There was no mention of singing. In what way did Abraham worship? I heard sacrifice. What? Prayer, obedience, yeah, there was there was a, a, a reverent respect that drew, that drew his actions. If you boil it down, it really comes down to the word obedience, doesn't it? Abraham recognized that God is God and he was not. And as much as it didn't make sense to him to sacrifice the gift that God had provided for him after years and years of waiting, he was obedient to submit his son to him. And his actions declared what he really valued, didn't they? I love this child, but by his actions, he declared that he loved God more than the kid. And that in itself was worship. That's how he worshiped God, his willingness to obey. I want to simply suggest to you that worship is a lot more than singing songs. Because we can say things with our lips all day long. Many of us know this. Because you've had relationships with people that said things with your lips. Maybe you were this person who said things with your lips. But your actions or their actions didn't back it up. And what do you start listening more to? The words or the actions? I want to simply suggest to you that Genesis 22 gives us a new understanding of what worship means. It's more than words. Worship is obedience. At least a large part of it it is. When we feel tempted to do something, and yet our spirit says, don't go that way. Don't give in. And we choose not to give in. That's worship. When we're tempted to cut corners... And God goes, don't do that. Give it your all. And you choose to do that. That's worship. When we have something that we value and God says, do you love me enough to entrust me with that? Whether it's your finances, whether it's your future, your dreams, whether it's your time and your energy or your talents. And God says, would you give that to me to allow me to use it however I wish? and we say yes to that, that is worship. When we look at worship in that way, it's not a matter of we come on Sundays to worship God. We are worshiping throughout the week. The question becomes, what are we worshiping, right? Are we worshiping God? Are we submitting our lives to Him? Or are we worshiping what the world worships? Are we getting into the same things, getting distracted by the same petty things like the fighting Irish. I love you guys, (laughs) but come on, seriously? All right, just kidding. You know, are we giving into the same kind of things that at the end of the day don't matter? Let me give you an example. Somebody who begins to worship physical, how they look, right? We live in a culture that's saturated with sexuality but is also saturated with looking a certain way. Southern California, I, I've talked to somebody who was a pastor back west and somebody was, and has come back here. And he goes, there are different kind of sins of, of areas. Some, it's arrogance. We have it all figured out. Other places, it's apathy. Here, it's appearance. Almost more than anything else, maybe the only thing that rivals it is our desire for stuff. But it is such a huge thing here, the way that we look. And some people are so fixated, so focused on looking a certain way that we will sacrifice finances to pay for gym memberships, to pay for clothes to go work out. We will sacrifice time that we could be doing other things several times a week to go exercise. We will forego and sacrifice our freedoms to eat anything that we want to eat only the right things and in, in, in certain amounts. And some people, it becomes such a fixation that they're willing to either starve themselves or eat things and then purge it up or other things that ultimately cause harm to their body all in the name of looking the right way, of being acceptable. And I get that that goes a lot deeper than just the, the physical. There's a, there's a cry for acceptance that I think all of us have, and that's one of the ways it plays out for us. But the reality is we're all worshiping in some way, and people who worship that have oriented their lives around it Have said, yes, I will obey, I will submit to you, I will sacrifice to appearance. Whatever it costs, even if it costs my life, I want to look okay because I want to be acceptable. And that's one of many rival gods that we can have a temptation to bend our knee to. Now, I don't want to try to build a case that, that worship is obedience simply off of this passage. What I want to do right now is I want, to, I want to kind of follow the thread. There's tons and tons of places throughout Scripture that indicate that our worship is tied to our actions. Our, our worship is tied to our obedience and our submission to God. Let's look at just a couple of them. Go with me to 1 Samuel Chapter 15. We're going to go pretty quickly here, but I just... Backstory. There's a king named Saul. He's the first king of Israel. There's a prophet named Samuel. And God says to Samuel, go talk to Saul and tell him that I'm going to give this enemy, the Amalekites, over to him. The army is going to be victorious over the Amalekites. But here's the caveat. I do not want Saul or his army to collect any plunder from these people. Everything is to be destroyed. Well, Saul goes, they are victorious. And the people, he's afraid of the people kind of grumbling against him, of getting frustrated that he won't let them gather anything. And so he fears their opinions more than God. And he says, okay, you guys can collect some of the animals and stuff. We won't destroy all of them. Well, Samuel meets Saul on the road. As as Saul is on his way back, victorious and he's happy he's like hey Samuel we did it you were right God gave us victory and Samuel goes what's that noise I hear oh those are the men no that's not men I hear animals did you guys take animals now Saul starts backtracking the people wanted to gather them so that we could have a big bonfire and sacrifice the animals out of gratitude to God for the ways that he provided for us now check out Samuel's response because you know the, that was one of the ways that they worshipped. Offering. Sacrifice, right? But check this out. Verse 22 of 1 Samuel chapter 15. Samuel replied, Does the Lord desire, or I'm sorry, does the Lord delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? The implication is no. To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed his words, his commands is better than the fat of rams. You think that that's honoring to him? Do you think that that he feels like you really value him when you straight up disobey him, even if you were going to sacrifice these things? It's a slap in his face because you say I don't really respect your commandments but I'm going to pay lip service all day long. You know, God, I really don't care about conducting my business legally or being upright, paying my subcontractors on time. That's beside the point. This is business. But I'm going to be real faithful about tithing. I'm going to be real faithful about giving offerings and stuff so that people can go, wow, what a faithful, generous person do you think God is honored? To obey is better than sacrifice. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Page 1658, if you have my Bible. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is the night before, well, the night that he's arrested. He's got less than 24 hours before he will be crucified and killed one of the last conversations he's having with his disciples, and we pick up in verse 15 of John chapter 14. If you love me, again, John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. You say you're my disciple? You say you love me? You say you will give your life for me? Then do what I've taught you. Well, the question becomes then, well, what did you command? Flip over to chapter 15. Verse 10. Again, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy in you may be complete. Verse 12. My command is this, to love each other as I have loved you greater love is no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And then just in case you didn't get it, he says it again, verse 17, this is my command, love each other. In another place, he says, by this, by the way you love one another, the world will know you're my disciples. So how do we worship God? The way we treat one another. The way we deal with our family with our friends, with our co-workers, with complete strangers that you'll never meet again. The way you treat them, the way you speak to them, the way you view them is worship. The question becomes, are we worshiping ourselves or do we worship God and truly, genuinely love one another? Last one, go to Romans chapter 12. Paul, who has been talking about the gift that God has given us through Jesus Christ to be forgiven for our sins. He's wrapping up this big conversation about God's grace that is available both to the Jews and the Gentiles. And he concludes it with this. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because he didn't have to forgive you. He didn't have to send Jesus Christ to you. He chose to. But I urge you. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your lives, your actions, your abilities, your stuff, offer them as living sacrifices, holy, set apart, and pleasing to God. That is your spiritual act of worship. Again, it's not just singing songs. We worship God in how we act. We worship God in what we do. We worship God in how we interact with other people. So what does this look like real time? I go to the gym and I see an attractive woman. I want to take a second look. Instead, I choose, and I don't do this perfectly. I wish it was easier, but I choose to fix my eyes straight ahead and walk right by and not take that second look. That is worship. I feel like I'm just tired. I want to cut corners at work. But I choose to work as if I'm working for God, as if he's my boss. Even though somebody might not, other people might not find out. Even though I could fudge numbers, even though I could do something and I wouldn't get caught. I choose to do it the right way. That is worship. My wife and I, kind of getting into a heated argument. She says something that makes me angry, and I want to lash out at her to, to show her my displeasure by hurting her back like she's hurt me. And instead, I swallow those words and I forgive her in the moment, as difficult as that might be. That's worship. My boy's not obeying. Ethan is gifted. He's just like his dad in this. Ethan is not obeying. He's doing what he wants. I want to yell at him and show him my displeasure and kind of get him into shape, right? But instead, I choose to swallow my anger, be patient with him, and lovingly, with strength, but also with gentleness, lead him in the way he should go. That's worship the way we interact with people, the things that we do in our workplace, the things we do when nobody's looking, every single component is worship. The question becomes, what are we worshiping? Are we worshiping God by submitting our lives and saying, Jesus, you're you're more than just my Savior that, that took my sins away. You are my Lord. So have your way with me. Or do we worship our comfort? Do we worship What society says is important and what society values. Do we worship a certain relationship and so we're willing to compromise so that this person won't reject us? Do we worship ourselves so much to say that what I want, that's the most important thing? And so long as what God is asking me to do lines up with that, then we're good. So I'm going to invite Justin to come up and we're just going to take a few minutes of reflection time. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Maybe have a conversation with God. What are you worshiping right now? What are the things that you have been willing to sacrifice your time, your energy, your resources towards? Because those are the things that show us where what we worship. What are the things that you've been obeying? So spend a couple of minutes having that conversation. Let me pray for us, and we're going to go into a time of of reflection. Father, I'm sorry for the ways that we have uh, shrunk worship down into being something that just is a matter of singing words to a song. I'm sorry for the ways that we've missed the point, for the ways that we've called you Savior, and not allowed you to be Lord. So right now, I just ask that you would help us to be able to recognize the ways in which we have been worshiping other things and and give us just insight, discernment to see those areas so that we can begin to lay them down at the foot of the cross and, and invite you to have your way with us. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would pervade this room and that you would guide this time. Jesus, in your name, amen. that we desire to worship you purely in spirit and in truth. That we desire to live lives that are marked by love for our brothers and sisters, even if we don't even know who they are. To live lives that are living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you, and to worship you in that way. And we are somewhat a little bit more aware at this point of the ways in which we're missing the mark, ways in which we've been giving into our flesh, ways that we've been giving into what the world says is important. Holy Spirit, would you help us to go beyond just saying that we want to lay these things down, to actually beginning to lay them down? Would you strip away the stuff that so easily entangles us, that trips us up so that we can run with perseverance the race that has been marked for us? fixing our eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of our faith so that we will not grow weary or lose heart I pray this things jesus in your name amen but something that that abraham said to his son is interesting and i just want to draw it out for a second because isaac says to abraham dad we have the fire we have the wood but where's the lamb for the sacrifice And his father says, don't worry, son, our God will provide the lamb. And we could read that to mean he knows he already has provided it and you're it. And you just don't know it yet. But in that story, God provides a ram for the sacrifice. And in that moment, he deals with the need for a sacrifice. But fast forward several thousand years and God provided once and for all, a lamb that would cover the sins of all of mankind. And he, like Abraham's one and only son, was God's one and only son whom he loved. And he willingly submitted his child to take upon himself the penalty that was due us for our choices for the, the, the times that we have fallen short and continue to fall short. And I want you to notice that just like Isaac played a part in this, he submitted and allowed his father to bind his hands and his feet. Jesus played a very similar role, didn't he? Think about the Garden of Gethsemane for a moment. The night where he's going to be arrested and ultimately will be crucified. Jesus is on his knees several times that night saying God if there's any way we can do this a different way right if there's any way that you can redeem all of mankind that doesn't require me to die in this way can we do that instead but he ends his prayer in this way but your will not mine be done Jesus himself modeled for us submission and obedience to the will of God And in that way, he modeled for us worship. And so this morning, we're going to take communion because that same night that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, God, your will, not mine, be done. He was having a meal with his disciples. And he takes some bread and he says, you know, well, he instituted communion as a way of remembering his sacrifice. And so what we're going to do is Justin and the band are going to are going to lead us in a song that we can sing. And I'm going to have the ushers come forward and we're going to pass the communion this time rather than having you come forward and get it. And then what we'll do is we will take it together. So just grab the elements. If you consider Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior and you want to participate in communion, I ask you to just take a piece of bread and take the, the juice and hold on to it and then we will take it together. Okay, so let's worship together.